Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking NG Atlanta, a little bit about that conference, as well as get some insights into the entire web platform that kind of runs that conference. Should be pretty cool. So let's kick things off. Uh, say hi to our panelists today. We got Mike Brocky. Mike, what's going on? How's it going, Mr. Justin? Getting ready for the holidays and the end of the year. Nice, nice. Aren't we all? I think. Cool. All right. And uh, we got a couple guests today. Uh, one, Nathan Walker. Nathan, how's it going? Hello, hello. It's good to be here. Friday before the holidays. It's always crazy. Yes, yes. We got a theme going here. <laughs> uh, Zach Chapel. Zach, how's it going? Fantastic. Uh, a little bit under the weather, if you can't tell by my voice, but uh, happy for the holiday season and uh, ready to end up a year of way too much traveling. All right. All right. You've got one hour to get you through and then you can like rest your voice, rest your, your sinuses, all that stuff. So <laughs> cool. Awesome. All right. So um, NG Atlanta, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, second year of the conference, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's our second year. Um, we we decided to kind of build on what we did last year. Um, I don't know uh, for everyone who has, wasn't there. Uh, we actually did something really cool in that we tried to kind of pull speakers from all over the world and and give the audience a, a really good cross-section of the tech industry. Um, and one of the cool things that we did is we actually had 62% um, of our speakers last year were, were women in tech, which was, was something that I was really proud of. And it was actually one of our goals for the conference as a whole. Um, and something we wanted to try and do again this year. Um, and, and in the process of doing so, we made sure that we were pulling um, Google developer experts and people who are speaking uh, before, but we, we kind of decided to pull them from all over the world. So we have speakers from Bulgaria and Colombia and Malaysia, and we're really bringing the world uh, to Atlanta. And something that was really cool is that I, I looked at the uh, speaker lineup and, and the stats around our speakers for 2019. And actually, as it sits right now, 67% um, of our speakers are women in tech, which um, so even better than what we had last year. Um, and, and it really goes to show that, um, you know, that, that doing this is possible. But the other interesting thing is that we did it without repeating any of the speakers, um, which I thought was really cool, too, because we we're able to get a lot of new faces in front of the audience and um, really give a lot of people an opportunity to um, be on this platform. And um, a couple other things that are happening that are kind of new this year is um, one, we're doing a diversity uh, roundtable with uh, Tracy Lee and her team over at this dot. Um, so we're going to be pulling in a bunch of folks from around the Atlantic community and leaders that, that are coming to our conference and, 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 you know, really getting their thoughts and feedback on, on what diversity means for them and, and, and kind of driving that conversation. Um, and then we're going to make it, be making some really cool announcements around the nonprofit that we started um, that was called the NG Atlanta Foundation, but is soon to be called the Paved Road and how we're going to leverage um, paid apprenticeships to help catapult people into tech um, and what kind of an opportunity that represents. So a lot going on. Wow, yeah, definitely, definitely. How many, uh, how many speakers are there total, do you know? Uh, we have 27 speakers, um, not including the, the folks from Netflix and um, uh, Front End Happy Hour. They're gonna be doing something uh, this year called the Sideshow which I don't know if you ever watch the news or anything, but like 
so we have our talks that happen on stage and usually at a conference you have this awkward five minutes in between the talks where you're just kind of staring at the speaker and staring at the next speaker and you have an MC that sometimes comes out and uh, this year we decided you know what let's do something different so we're going to have a stage to the side of the regular stage and they're going to do a breakdown of the last talk and do some banter and they're going to pass it over to Kim Aida, who's our MC, and then she's going to do all the speaker intros and all that stuff. So it's going to be a little bit more dynamic of a conference. Um, it's something I've never seen before and actually thought, I thought would be really exciting, and it helps us keep the community involved. I, I like that because you have that downtime in between uh, talks where you don't know what to do, and then you have the next speaker up on the stage awkwardly trying to set up, maybe run into some potential tech issues and everything else. Oh, I can't get my screen to present. What's going on? Without having a room full of eyes necessarily focused on that for that additional pressure to be able to get things exactly. Out. That's a nice uh, added thing, not just for the attendees because that's great because then you get some perspective about the talk that just happened, but also right. uh, for the next speaker. Yeah. Like well, the other problem we have a lot is like people will have questions. And so what we're doing is every three speakers, there's a coffee break or a lunch, right? So um, Jim and Ryan are going to interview the last three speakers and ask them the questions that were submitted. So during that 25 minutes, if you ask a question, go grab your coffee, come back in, and they're going to be answering the questions. So it also gives us a nice, you know, kind of um, break from the talks, but at the same time, lets us get the content and the questions answered. So that's really cool. That's cool. How many days is it? Uh, so it's two days of workshops and two days of conference. So the Wednesday, Wednesday's workshops, uh, Thursday and Friday are the, the single track conference. And then uh, Saturday is, is more workshops. Very cool. Very cool. And it, when's that at next month? Yeah, so it's 18 days away. So it's January 9th through 12th. Uh, we went a little early this year. Uh, we will probably not do that again next year. Um, but we wanted to go a little bit early. It was either this week or Valentine's week. And I, I had a feeling that folks would not want to go to a conference on the week of Valentine's Day. Are there still tickets available for the conference as well as the workshops? Yeah, um, all, all the workshops still have a little bit of space. Um, as usual, John Papas usually uh, sells out, which so his has got the least amount of space left. Um, but yeah, we definitely still have tickets available. Um, they're up on our site right now. Um, you know, so get them, get them while you can. Uh, we're trying to trying to get the space filled out uh, and make it a really good crowd. Very cool. Very cool. Um, is there any type of theme going on for the conference this year? Um, so the theme this year is, is uh, you can sit with us. Um, last year we talked about um, diversity and inclusion in Angular was our was our theme last year. Um, and, and this year we changed it to to you can sit with us. That's you know a little bit more of the, the Angular team mantra. And at the same time, we thought about uh, we actually wanted to drop that from our, our tagline uh, because the way we want to approach conferences is that our, by default, our conferences should be diverse and by default, our conferences should be inclusive. And we wanted to treat it the same way hotels treat their rooms, right? You don't necessarily want to go to a hotel that's, that highlights, we now have clean beds, right? 
that it should be the expectation that your room is clean um, in the same way that it should be the expectation that your conference is diverse. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to dilute the content or dilute the speakers or, or um, charge, you know, uh, you know, at a hugely discounted rate because you don't want to devalue the speakers that you're bringing on stage either, right? Um, the voices and the people that we have on stage are just as important as every other speaker you've seen at any Angular conference. Um, they just might have a slightly different perspective than, than what you're used to. And I, I really like that aspect of having um, new speakers at the conference and to have a fresh set of perspective of, all right, you may be looking at the problem, A, from a different technical perspective, B, from a different business solution or a different use case or anything else. So getting those, even if it's just a slight tweak of uh, perspective is very valuable. Um, but to do a complete turnover and having zero repeat speakers is a remarkable achievement. Go, congrats on that. Thank you. Not that I yeah, fully endorse that as somebody who's spoken at other conferences, I wouldn't mind going back <laughs> to other conferences to speak. <laughs> but yeah. Well, yeah, 2020, we're going to let some people back. They're like, don't worry, we'll let some people back. I don't know about Mike, but we'll let some people back. Fair enough. <laughs> So uh, what type of topics are going to be covered in in the talks? Uh, literally everything. So um, it's interesting because I tried to try to think about the cross section of what we do and what we haven't seen before. Um, so like one of our speakers is covering um, SEO, right? Which and we've seen a couple talks about SEO, but it's from a company. Uh, she works her, her, uh, She works for a company that specializes in SEO. Um, so they're going to be coming in. Uh, they're also our happy hour sponsor too. So we actually have a happy hour this year. Um, we have two happy hours actually. Um, and uh, one of the happy hours is sponsored by Deep Crawl. And um, one, one of their folks is uh, Ashley Bourbon-Hale is um, going to be talking about SEO from an Angular perspective and how you properly handle that in a spa. Um, another talk that's really interesting is actually uh, by the guy, uh, guy's name of uh, Tariq, and he's going to be talking about a platform called Dora, which is um, AI learning to drive the testing on your platform. So how do you use artificial intelligence to write your tests for you, uh, which is kind of scary and kind of awesome. Um, I don't even understand it, but I want to learn. <laughs> um, we have some folks. Uh, so Laura Ciro, uh, Ciro is, who's coming up from Columbia, is uh, going to be talking about Nest, um, kind of doing like an intro to Nest, which, you know, if anyone's doing Angular and you're doing Node on the back end, you probably want to start using Nest um, just because it matches a lot of what we're doing. Um, but then also we brought Camille in. So Camille, the guy who created Nest, uh, we're flying him all the way from Poland, and he'll be doing um, a, another talk on, on Nest later on in the day. Um, we have Maham, who's going to be coming up from uh, Florida. She's going to be talking about like WebSockets and, and logging from your Angular application and how you can use uh, WebSockets to do that effectively. I mean, there's literally everything. Um, and of course, Victor and, and uh, Jeff from Narwhal, like you can't forget forget those guys. So they're going to be coming in uh, and, and doing their thing. Like you, I, I don't even know what they're going to talk on yet, but I, I just know it's going to be amazing. So it, it, they always do a good job. So Camille is speaking this time because I know he did a workshop last year, but if, yeah. if I recall, he didn't speak last year, but I know we were all excited to hear uh, more yeah. on that topic. So he's speaking this year. Yeah, yeah, he's actually speaking this year. Awesome. Um, I tried to get him to speak last year, but he, he's like, well, let me just come there first and see what it's like. And, and now he's like, yes, sign me up. 
Very cool. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah, that's cool. just a small. Go ahead. I think it's pretty killer, uh, kind of where we're at right now with the conference material and, and topics. It kind of feels like we've we've now gone beyond just the how do you do things in Angular, and now we're really into how do you solve the entire ecosystem when Angular is a part of it, right? Talking backend SEO, search and optimization stuff, you know, all that kind of things, and and now we're kind of really getting into how are people going to you know make this work across the board, and, and that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Well, that's actually, I, I was talking with Brad Green the other day, and I, I was telling him one of the goals I set with the conference is try to keep around 70, 75% of the talks to be Angular related, but then give 20 to 30% to um, things like mentorship and coaching and diversity or, or you know, and, um, deploying to the cloud or Firebase and stuff like that. Because, you know, at least my philosophy is that we shouldn't be myopic with with uh, the way we approach things. And if we can have our conferences uh, kind of highlight that we're just we're just people working in tech, and there, there's other things we should be aware of, I think that will help make us a lot more effective. For sure, for sure. Well, that, maybe that's a good segue to uh, talking about the tech side of this whole conference and, and everything. I mean, we kind of mentioned all the SEO and all these things like that. These all come into play into imagine this web platform of, of maintaining the stuff for your conference. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, so last year was our first year, and I think everyone, the first time they try to do something, screws up every way possible. Um, and we, we did that. So at first I was like, oh, let me just set up this basic Angular CLI app and deploy it to GitHub pages, because that would be easy. Um, and at the time, it, it was. It was actually a, a really good module for it that was part of the CLI. Then it got removed from the CLI. Um, so that, that happened. I don't know who removed that. Uh, I'm going to look at Brocky, but it's probably not his fault. Um, and then, so we, we, we did that and it was working great, but the hard part was, is that, okay, now I have all this hard coded data that requires that I do a push to my code base every single time I want to update something. So I was like, okay, well, let's maybe use a CMS. Okay. Well, what CMS do I use with Angular? Um, and I don't, don't know a lot of folks that went last year met Bram. And uh, we were like, hey, he's got this CMS that has this really cool Angular front end. Let's, uh, it, it's doing all kinds of cool stuff with, um, oh gosh, I forget what it was written on, but like, it was just, it was really nice. And I'm like, well, let's try using this. It was and node, node and loopback, I think. Yeah. Loopback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was loopback. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, this sounds like cool tech. Uh, so let's, let's try and use this. And we started moving everything to the CMS. And and that's when I talked to Nathan. I was like, hey, Nathan, um, can you like write a conference app for us? And, and so I started talking to Nathan and we, we started going down that path. But then like halfway through, we realized that CMS is hard. <laughs> like trying to get all your data to CMS is hard. How do you sync that? And then also um, I was talking to Valor Software. I'm like, our website is, is ugly we need to redesign it and we redesigned it and we ended up building it in Webflow because we didn't have time to rebuild it in Angular because um, the designer just did it in Webflow and just and made it made it easy. And that caused even more issues because now we had data sync issues because some of our data was in Comana, some of our data was in Webflow, and then, uh, then we tried to integrate our ticket platform for the badge scanning and now we have data in our ticket platform. So like all of these things together and then 
we changed our schedule to like i don't remember how late nathan how late were you awake trying to change and update our schedule in the app it, like, it was kind of a nightmare and really we got started pretty late <laughs> so it, it was a rush the android app sucked it was terrible um you know and it, yeah it was just it was difficult that that, <laughs> last minute decisions um for sure and i think we were literally even deploying while the conference was going which was just insane yeah i remember there was one of our one of our sponsors last year he, he we only had one sponsor that had an android phone everyone else had iphones and and the sponsor came to us and like well the badge app isn't working and we're like well why isn't it working and they're like well i have an android phone and i'm like okay well why doesn't that work so we did what two or three deployments in the middle of the conference of the app like it that that's that's hard and it, was, um, and it was still bad i mean the the problem we had some timing issues animation timing issues um on top of that the iteration of of native script at that time with a root side drawer wasn't good for performance on android in the v8 engine so there were there were just problems um wasn't good yeah well, and then we also ran into issues. One of the things that we we built into the app was um, badge scanning, and like you could claim your badge and then put your information in. And, like one of the things I'm, I'm really cautious about with NG Atlanta is like not giving away our attendees' information, right? So like we don't sell the information for any of the attendees, and the only way the sponsors get your information is if you let them scan your badge. So it's like explicit consent. You say yes, you can have my information, scan my badge. Um, and I think as an attendee, I appreciate that, but the complexities of if they reinstall the app or we push an update and now they try to scan a badge that's already claimed. Like I remember, you know, us having to go and tweak the database manually to unclaim badges just so people could reclaim their badge. Like that was, that was a bear. Um, so this, but we learned. So this badge app you're talking about this this was a mobile app and you mentioned native script yeah. built in native script that would then scan using what the phone's camera yeah there was a barcode scanner and um it actually was a, a barcode scan it wasn't exactly just the camera but um pretty much uh a, a view that you could scan the uh the badge and then we'd take the badge and, and we'd validate that with the uh Taito data for the conference and then if it was valid we would actually authenticate the user based on that badge and um it worked well for ios and and of course being last minute we focused most of our development efforts on ios so it makes sense that um, Android was terrible. Now this year, I will say, I just got off a really exciting call with Mike Hardington, and we are going to do an Ionic PWA um, conference app using Ionic 4. Um, and actually, we already have it wired to the conference data now. So this year, there will be a PWA. So for those that uh, want to just access the schedule easily without getting into an app, they can do that very easily. Um, we'll probably still update the apps as well with the barcode scanning feature. I'm not sure if we'll do the barcode scanning in the PWA yet, but maybe. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue because like we this is getting into year two, right? So this year we're like, hey, we like using the CMS. There was benefits from using a CMS. Let's try using a CMS again because we like pain. And um, 
we decided to go with type, which uh, for those of you who know Patrick JS, um, him and his crew um, with the Y Combinator, they um, they're in there right now, and they they started this company called Type, which is a headless CMS. And uh, I told Patrick, like, hey, will you let us use this? Would you encourage that? And you know, we we got on board with using Type, and that worked out really good. And we started building out our UI and all this stuff, but then. The, some of the data structures and the and some performance and caching and all this other stuff, we started running into issues. And I'm like, well, let me just start hard coding stuff because that's easy. Um, so I started hard coding stuff again. And at first, like that's much faster, right? Yeah, I don't have to go to a CMS and like drag and do all this craziness to get things to work. And I can just hard code it. Well, that's great. The first time you're trying to add something to a schedule. But then when you have to tweak the schedule and you have to tweak a value in every single number in every entry on every day on the schedule to get it to line up, it's like, okay, now hard coding hurts. Like, I don't want to do this again. Uh, but then you just keep doing it. And um, so now, now we're trying to figure out, okay, how do, we, how do we get this information extracted? And now we start looking at Firebase. So that makes it harder for the mobile app too, right? Because now... How's the mobile app gonna get access to the schedule if it's all hard coded in a TypeScript file, right? So good. That's a good one for Nathan. Like, how are you gonna get that out? <laughs> well, no, it's not, it's terrible. Um, it's not a great, it's not a great way to do it. I think we even had some images <laughs> hard coded um, last year. There was definitely some hard coded things there, and um, Luckily this year, I think we, we can get away from all that. So we, the structure this year is all Firebase, um, Firestores, Firebase functions, um, and all that can be administrated through a uh, material design uh, front end, back end for uh, Zach. And actually Zach hasn't even seen this yet, um, but we'll try to have that deployed. And then that can be used to populate the schedule and everything else. That would be easy. So is it? Yeah, I'd like to see that. So, yeah, actually, we might oh, show that. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, good. <laughs> let me, let me, Live let me, demos, that's always safe. Let me, <laughs> let me get it running. You guys go ahead. Let me get it running here, and then I'll share it. <laughs> I have a question. Is it, uh, are you talking like moving all that data from the CMS into Firebase and using that, or is it going to be a mix of those two for different parts of data? I think we'll probably have to move everything except the ticket information from Firebase or from the CMS and hard coding into Firebase if we want it to be accessible everywhere. Yeah, so the CM that's actually a good question. And Zach, I'd say with the CMS data, really, if it's just used on the website, I don't know if we'll need to consume that CMS data or if you want to merge those. But yeah, we can talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that that because like that has the. Go ahead. Yeah, um, th that becomes the balance as you're looking at putting together a system or a platform or multiple platforms is the idea of, all right, that's fine. You have some content, maybe it's speaker bios or a schedule or anything else that stuff that potentially could be uh, static or dynamic. Uh, to be able to determine, all right, does it make sense to store everything in the same place? Or is there something that's just website specific um, that doesn't necessarily need to be uh, dynamic and pulled from a dynamic store for, to host on multiple places? Yeah. Well, it's funny because like, as we we're having this discussion, I was like, man, this is just like my day job. Like at work, we're having the same discussion of we just bought a new platform. 
how do we get the data into our other platforms? How do we like, we just got a native script app and now we have a PWA from Ionic. Like these things are, are not the same. They don't have the same data stores. Like how are we going to manage this? And, and so like, even in the conference circuit, we still have the same struggles as everyone else. Yeah, I want to dive a little bit deeper into that whole the CMS and and data kind of concept real quick. Um, so if we're talking, we think about like in terms of the content that's stored in those things, we need to get them to our Angular applications, right? We have something like Firebase, we have data and strings of data or whatnot or, or JSON objects. And we get that there and that's kind of straightforward. Like what is the thing that goes we say now we need like a CMS. Like what is the CMS providing? Is it stuff like I've got rich text that somebody needs to edit on a bio and that's the content that I want to get over? And then how is that, you know, what, what are the challenges that that presents to if that's the, if it's structured data, structured display data that's in a CMS, like how do we work with that in Angular and, and those sort of things? But the kind of the driver for me was the, the pain around trying to manage the sessions um, not like the not user sessions, but like the the talk sessions, um, and then how that ties to the speakers and the speaker bios, and and you know some of the speakers have workshops, and how do you get all of these things that are are structured and related data? Um, you know, how do I get all of those to tie together really easily without having to like manually hard code a bunch of IDs, right? That go ahead. So I think also another uh, thing that goes into consideration, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is the technical abilities of your users. Um, you're, you're a developer. So if I say, hey, you need to update content, you feel comfortable with logging directly into Firebase slash Firestore to be able to update some data. But if there is somebody who is managing a conference who not who may not necessarily have development experience or uh, is as comfortable in that type of environment, then a more structured, a more paved path of a CMS that gives you inline editing ability may be the route to go. So does that play into the fact of your choices and availability of choices. Absolutely right, because I, I I can't be the one to do everything all the time. I need to I need to have people helping me. Oh wow, that site looks amazing. <laughs> Sorry, Nathan just put up the website for the admin. I'm like, oh, that looks cool. Hey, let's not make sure we overshare with this too. By the way, don't don't show uh, our actual attendee raw data. There, there, there's that. There's actually no. Um, Mainly because you have not even seen this yet. So we need you to enter in the real data. Um, but, oh, okay. but the cool thing, this is actually not even the front end uh, consumable piece. This is actually just to administrate the back end. So this is okay. from um, Borgrave. I always say Borgrave, Borgrave but it's Borgrave. Um, Where does he live right now? Uh, Columbia, I believe. Okay. Um, basically, and this is wired to Firebase, and he's using Firestore to get these collections. And then these same collections will actually be consumed by the Ionic um, PWA app here. So this would be the consumable um, okay. side of this. And now we just actually got off a call this morning um, about this. So this is all brand new and i hope mike doesn't mind me showing this um but uh he he had shared, he had shared this conference app set up uh oh, just a couple days ago i think but um 
Yeah, so we're going to wire this up to uh, the same setup. And so we actually have it all living now inside of this repo. So a little, a little thing on last year, you know, it was around this time, October, when uh, Norwal, you guys, Justin introduced NX. And um, around that time, I think, is when Zach and I were working through a couple details. And so I was really pushing him to use NX at that time. Um, because right. because he did want to do all these aspects like he's talking about. He wanted to, you know, there needed to be a backend um, facility to kind of administrate the data. There's the CMS side. There's this app side for the attendees to consume. And then these apps we were doing. So we were kind of, I was uh, pushing for NX at that time. And I think in the end, we did end up using NX for some of it, but we weren't taking advantage of much of it last year. So this year... Um, really, we're trying to take full advantage uh, of the setup. And so we do have um, Ionic in here living next to the NativeScript apps we're going to deploy next to the administrative app. And everything is um, all here this year. Nice. And so, yeah, this Ionic app is actually going to be consuming the same um, Firestore services and everything that the admin app is consuming that also the NativeScript app is consuming. And then do you have uh, Angular components that are used across all of those? We, we, I would say maybe the following year, a, a year out, we might do that given the time span, because again, we are crunching this again this year. Hopefully it won't be as crazy as last year because we do have um, some things together. But um, next year we might could do some refactoring and, and do some more broader sharing component wise, but probably this year um, it'll just be services models and, and that sort of thing. And so then really all of these element all these uh, apps are all angular powered apps that's right yeah everything this is for sure angular is providing the facility to do this in a really nice cohesive way for sure and i took a little peek the other day at the old uh view source on the uh, ng atlanta website it looks like uh, uh angular 7.1 is on that thing yeah, <laughs> uh, leave it on the edge. Um, no, so it's it's uh, it, we definitely it's up it's up there. We're also using uh, Angular Universal and, and Nest. So we actually we have a API proxy going, and basically what that is, it's a a little bit of a Nest and Node proxy that that goes back and that actually makes the calls to type. Um, and it offers a little layer of abstraction. So I want to put my all my type API keys and all that stuff. So I'm not putting that on the front end and calling it directly. Um, so it's a little bit more secure of an application. Um, and then on top of that, eventually I was hoping to get to the point where I could add some caching. Um, but when I added caching, it also broke things. So, um, you know, because I didn't add caching the right way. Uh, and, and, and part of that challenge was we were updating the data in the CMS. Um, and then not cache busting correctly. So um, that I, I basically just had to rip out caching, uh, at least for the time being. But we are using it for compression, which is really important. Yeah, that whole cache busting and uh, dynamic content always always a challenge, right? Yeah, we tried doing service workers, but that that did not go well for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, really living on the edge. Hey, what about um? like uh, searching and optimization and social sharing and stuff like that. You mentioned you're using Universal. Like, How much did you guys get into that? 
Um, we got into a little bit which with the um with the performance side of it, but actually the interesting thing was uh, around the search engine stuff. I actually spent more time with the meta tags and the structured data for the site and getting that to show up correctly. And then also with some of the webmaster tools that, that Google has um, to begin to, to kind of help get that populated correctly. Um, Cause if you, if you search for NG Atlanta, um, you do end up getting a page with some decent structured data on the search results. So I made sure that we did that because I wanted us to at least be searchable. Um, but then we also did some, some other stuff around the meta tags. Like there, there wasn't too much that we did, uh, partially because I know nothing about it and I'm waiting to see the talk in a couple weeks. And then what about like a social sharing or anything like that? If you want to like deep link and, and share a link to one of the talks or anything like that? Do you have any stuff like that? Or are they all kind of like modal overlay sort of thing? Um, they are, they are links. Um, and even to the speakers, you could deep link to the speakers. So that that's a thing that's that already exists. Um, that was a little bit of a challenge because we were pulling the speaker slugs from the CMS. So if you ended up with an extra space or something, you get a horrible speaker name in your title, uh, your address bar. Um, you end up with a bunch of, you know, percent 20s, like that sounds great. Everybody loves that. Um, you know, and also because I, I, I'm a complete noob when it comes to code. So, uh, which will say that probably won't help my speaking prospects, but, um, you know, the, I, when I did the splitting the strings on the, um, speaker names and putting dashes in, I didn't think, Hey, some people might have more than one dash. So like one of our speaker's names is Ashley Bourbonhill. So there's three spaces in her name. I was, you know, somewhat narrow-minded and thought nobody has more than two names. And uh, so obviously her name has a 20% uh, in it right now. Uh, so I need to go back and fix that when I have the time that I don't have. I I, I sit back and I'm thinking about uh, what we've had so far on the show today. And it's interesting how talking about what's coming in the conference parallels to the difficult, well, not difficulties, but the hurdles and different technical solutions you had to uh, get through to be able to support the conference. And there's a lot of parallels there. We talked about Nest. We talked about Angular. We talked about SEO. We talked about a few other things and how essentially it almost sounds like, hey, an attendee coming to the conference could learn how to stand up an entire event uh, based off of the technology that you're going to learn about at the conference. Yeah, and you can even meet the sponsors and figure out how to get them to sponsor your conference. <laughs> right? And so literally everything. Like, um, yeah, it's funny because I just pulled up the um, – the the schedule and everything that we're going like even service workers is being talked about so it's like the thing i had to rip out because i couldn't figure it out um is going to be there uh so it's like okay great then i need to i can't organize and run a conference i need to just sit down and learn for a couple of days yeah that's one thing that's really cool too about this uh that you take it on and you're doing angular across the board for the whole conference is that you're you're getting the it, it's really like this showcase piece that you kind of like dive into and, and learn from right of of all these different aspects like you're mentioning very cool well and it's like for me it's also kind of a personal thing too because like the the whole reason that like not to get sentimental like the whole reason i got to where i am in my career today is because of the angular community so like having an opportunity to leverage the technology 
that help me to get a job everywhere I am is, is one thing, but then also helping that community grow and and, and all of that is, is just as important. So it, there's a there's a lot of, of love that goes into doing something like this and a lot of sleep and nights. But to me, it's like, I look back at the community, I look at what we're trying to do for this community. And to me, that's more more important. I mean, my wife was uh, like, why? Like last year, we lost a lot of money on the conference, which is what it is. And, you know, this year we're trying to break even. We're pushing hard. We're pushing for tickets and all that stuff. And she's like, well, why, why do you do it? And why do you keep working until midnight or 1 a.m. every day trying to get this conference out? And it, for me, it's it's an easy answer, but a hard answer for someone who's not in the Angular community to understand is that it's the love of the community, right? It's the seeing the people who come to an event like this. And like last year, 38% of our audience was female. Our audience. And I had uh, someone come up to me and said to me, I've never felt so safe at a conference before. And being a six foot two white dude, like I can't identify with that. I'm like, what do you mean by that? What do you, how do you not feel safe at an Angular conference and, or a conference in general? And she's like, well, lunch was a good example. There was, you know, more than one woman at every table in lunch. And I didn't have to worry about what table I sat at. You can sit with us. It is more than just a sentence. It is literally the embodiment of what we are trying to do. And like that, that's just as important as all the tech stuff we're talking about. It's, it's creating that culture and creating that feeling of, you know what, come here, you're going to be safe, you're going to learn, you're going to have a great time, and you're going to grow in your career. And that's, that's such an important part of what we're doing. You know, we talk a lot about uh, the inclusiveness of the Angular community and what that means to people and how it helps people feel comfortable, like you mentioned, and all those things. I think another thing that it does that we don't talk a lot about, but you just kind of mentioned and hinted on it here, is that by having that comfort level, by having that unity amongst everyone, everybody feels more comfortable to share their their feelings and their and, and their experiences, right? So you, in this position of, of setting up this conference, and you talk about the passion that you've got that, that drives you to, to make this conference again and to do with all the stuff and provide all this stuff, you know, it's partly driven by the fact that you're getting this response and you're hearing these things back from the community because the community feels comfortable to share that, right? And to say, this is, this is a great spot. This is wonderful. Right. And then that dialogue and that discussion happens because of this community being so open and inclusive. Um, because other, you know, you go to other conferences, maybe it's not so much, you know, I'm sure the attendees are enjoying things or liking stuff or liking, you know, moments and things, but, you know, as the conference runners, as the speakers, you don't typically hear that because they just, that, that atmosphere is not there. And that's one of the benefits of this, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fun. Like, I, I can't, I can't express how fulfilling it is to like, to see, and like, I don't, like, everyone talks about imposter syndrome for like their job and developing, like. I have imposter syndrome around conference organizing, right? Like, I'm so worried that everyone at the end of the day is going to think it, the, the conference is a bomb. And then, like, everyone's like, no, it's fantastic. Like, everyone's loving the conference. And I'm like, oh, really? I thought it was doing horrible. They're like, no, this is perfect. Like, everything's going great. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I'm not going to die then. Uh, you know, it's just that, that it, it's, it's an odd feeling. And, like, you know, we, we get so hung up on the tech problems and we get so hung up on the, everything else and i think we forget to realize like there's a human being that's struggling behind that app or just struggling behind that event and, 
and like a lot of folks don't know like this is this is run by you know one or two people it's just right now it's actually just me and my wife and some people helping out on the app like nathan and the folks and tracy's helping with you know social media and this that and you know anyone i can get to like tweak on little things but like it's just a, a labor of love and it's it's i think a lot of us forget that there's sometimes like you look at nest and camille and a, and a couple other contributors that are just putting together this amazing open source software and you know before you write that angry you know comment on how they didn't answer your issue in one day you know think about is this some dude or some gal that's like part-time doing something because they love it right it's yeah for interesting sure. for sure we definitely heard a, a lot of good things about the conference last year and, and i'm sure we'll hear more uh, amazing stuff about it this year for sure what um what other uh, anything other challenging issues that came up like angular specific sort of things that maybe came up that you hit that um that you solved in doing this process or you know that sort of thing oh man i think that one of the hardest parts was getting universal to work this year getting universal to work with nest so um if you think about like universal is not always the easiest thing to do um and at the same time getting it to work correctly and all that jazz but then trying to get it to work in nest when there wasn't really anyone doing nest and universal together and figuring out how the di works with with universal um i actually just gave up i said camille help me fix it <laughs> like it's just, do it for me i can't do this what let's give a quick run now what nest is so people may not be aware of it oh yeah so i actually just did a talk about this in shanghai um so I, I got the chance to go to ng china which if you ever do a talk in china realize that google slides won't work gmail won't work and like none of that works so like i want to have one of the speakers come from google and talk i mean from uh from china and be like yeah we don't have access to that they can't get to medium like medium.com is not accessible from china so all these blog articles that folks are writing are not accessible. So what I do is I download them as a PDF and send them to my friends in the Chinese chat web app WeChat. Like here, go translate this, and then they go repost it on a Chinese website. It's like, you know, it is what it is. But so like Nest, uh, I talked about Nest in Shanghai and at NG China, and um, it's basically like imagine if TypeScript, um, Node, Java Spring, and Angular all had a baby um so you get like the annotations and decorators and like stuff that you have in, in spring and spring security you get the dependency injection and router guards from angular all of it's in typescript and it just sits on top of of uh node and express or you can swap out fastly if you want um and, and it really adds that level of syntactical sugar on top of node to make it like really easy to use your um your server are really easy to write your server but then if you think about it if it's all typescript and you're running in a model repo now you can actually have your like your return typings on uh your apis match with the typings that you have on the re response objects in your angular service so now you know exactly what you're getting from the front end and back end um all that stays in sync you don't have to worry about is this really what i'm expecting um and then on top of that, it makes your, your builds a lot easier because all you have to deal with is TypeScript, right? You know, if you know how to do TypeScript, you're good to go. 
Uh, and it's just it, the the router guards like you could have the same kind of permissions checks in your your web router guards as you have on your API router guards. Like that sounds nice to me. That's that's what I want to do more often. Um, so like that that's why I go talk about it and try to evangelize for it and get more people on that path because I I saw how fun that was and how easy that was. And then the more I dug into it, the the more I fell in love with it. And did you mention dependency injection as well? Oh yeah, yeah. The dependency injection just uses services and everything, just like Angular. So like, it, you would be you would be surprised how close to Angular it looks. And that was intentional, right? Camille tried to do that. Um, and, and everything's either a component, a service. Like it's it matches. There's even modules, and the modules just look like Angular modules. So when Ivy comes out and modules change a little bit, uh, you know, maybe that's why I have to change a little bit too. Uh, but that, that's interesting. So that means that you could potentially not just share typing information of, hey, I'm getting back a person that has a uh, first name and last name, but essentially you could have some sort of validation service that you could run the same validation routine on the client and on the server, right? Once exactly. Everywhere. Yeah. And, that, and, and that, literally, that literally could be the same service just injected at two different places. Well, and think about it too, you have NativeScript Ionic. You could use that same service that does validation on your mobile, your web, and your server. You're done. I'm sold. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Nest, that's the magic of Nest, right? Okay, so we were yeah. talking about uh, tying in with CMS and Nest and the challenges there that you hit. Um. So part of it was around like the structure of the data, right? So the CMS was um, is built around documents and folders, and like if you're not thinking about that structure as you set it up, when you try to turn that into a flattened response for your UI, it starts to become like how many layers of maps do I need to get to the data I need? Like this is, I, I hate my life right now. Like I, I I'm three maps in and I still don't have what I need. Like I feel like I'm doing this wrong. Um, so there's a there's a lot of challenges that came with that, which is why I started. And honestly, that's why I started hard coding it because I'm that guy that I, I always forget how to do a map and I have to Google it. And I'm like, oh, this is the fifth time I've had to Google how to do a map, um, or you know, RxJS switch the pipes. And I'm like, I forgot how to do this because I haven't touched a keyboard in a week. And like, you know, that's it's just life. So I was like, oh, I'll just hard code it because I remember how to do that. Um, and get it out the door because you know I have a million other things to do, and you know you got four kids running around the house. It's like, you know, do I want to spend three days trying to build this website, or do I just want to get it out the door? Which is the same trade-off we make in our jobs, right? You know, do you want to ship something today, or would you like to make it architecturally sound? I'm like, oh, ship today. That sounds great. Sign me up for that. You know, and that's the decision that we end up with at most of our jobs every day. It, it, it is a balance. And if you don't ship anything, then quite frankly, you don't have users. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had somebody say, like, why is it your schedule on the website? Why is it your schedule on the website? I want to buy tickets, but I won't buy tickets until I see a schedule. And I'm like, I don't have the schedule because I haven't had time to spend like the th two days it takes to put together the schedule. And I put the schedule up, I put TDB in like half the boxes. And, and he's like, well, how come these ones are TBD? And I'm like, well, 
because some of the speakers haven't got me their talks yet. Like who? I'm like, uh, I'm not gonna throw anybody under the bus, but most of the most famous ones. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, the folks who do this every day, like they haven't got me their talks yet. Well, th- why? Because they're doing this every day. Like they don't have time to to do that always, right? So, uh, and that's the other side that I've learned through doing this is like trying to track people down is hard and trying to get people to do stuff is hard, which, you know, the fact that we're on this podcast right now shows that we can, we can show up and like, even that's a challenge sometimes. Um, but then you have to realize like, that's how people feel when we ignore those emails and we don't respond because we're busy with our family or busy, you know, working. And then we, we lose that empathy for other people when it's something that we need versus something they need. And, and I, I, that's kind of been a, a fun reality check for me because I'm that guy that I'll text you three minutes after I send a Slack message saying, hey, how come you haven't replied to me? And then, you know, like I was, I was trying to get a couple of speakers to be on the MG Atlanta and I'm, every day I'm sending them a message. You're like, dude, settle down. I'm like, I'm, it's been 24 hours. How much more time do you need? Like, tell me yes or no. And then they're like, well, I'll tell you later. And I'm like, well, what's that mean, tomorrow? And, you know, then we end up, you know, slowly going a long time and eventually we can answer. But like, it, it's easy to forget that. Yeah. It's that, like he's mentioned earlier, just kind of stepping back and realizing that we got people behind everything and, and all that stuff for sure. Yeah. And it's fun watching Nathan code at the same time too. <laughs> no, this, this is not last minute we are. I mean, I'm having to finish this now while you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, at least you know what we're gonna have it app again. And like, I think folks like that because we had a lot of people scanning badges and like trying to get in touch with each other. And like, it makes it a lot easier to connect with someone when you have something that can, you can scan and, and get their information. And you don't you don't fat finger it and you don't you don't mess it up. And, you know that's one thing I loved about the um, about NG China actually is that they have like WeChat, which you just scan a QR code and you connect with the person. Like, how much easier does that get? And it felt like. Um, the black mirror a little bit but at the same time it was it was kind of cool 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 all right well we're at the top of the hour so we better wrap things up um that's uh just mention the details about the conference really quick so people know they can get the tickets and stuff like that yeah ng atlanta uh 2019 it's gonna be january 9th through 12th uh ngatl.org at ng atlanta on twitter uh at ng atlanta on, on linkedin uh i it's amazing how many people are on LinkedIn and been sharing uh, the heck out of that. Uh, it's, we've got two days worth of amazing talks, two days of speakers, and um, Jenny's ice cream just outside the door, which everyone loved last year. Um, and uh, it's going to be an amazing show. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, let's do some quick picks if anybody has any picks, and then we can uh, call it good. Um, I, I didn't mention to you guys before that we do picks at the end of the show. So if you have something, you can, you can have a pick. It could be tech related, non tech related, or if you don't, no worries, no pressure. So um, just let me know. Anybody have any picks? Mike, you got anything? I don't have anything. Come on, I'll, I'll, make Mike go last. <laughs> okay, come up with something quick. Okay, got it. <laughs> As if I didn't know this was coming. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. All right, well, it's all right. I, we don't- I, I'll, I'll drop you a little something. Um, Real Talk JS, if you haven't heard of it, from John Papa Dan Whalen and Ward Bell. It's pretty fun. Uh, really good discussions over there. So a fun podcast to check out. And also maybe Brom Borgrave, uh, Beeman underscore NL 
on Twitter who's doing the backend API stuff for NG Atlanta. Cool. Those are good ones. All right, anybody else? Are we good? I got some. I okay. got two. Um, first one is I, I'm going to pitch Ember, <laughs> but not that Ember. Um, Ember coffee mugs. Um, I got one of these as a gift for running a GDG. And um, the Ember coffee mugs, like it's got a, a heating coil in the coffee cup. And like I've been sipping on this tea all day long and just refilling it with cold water. And it, I get a little push notification says your tea's hot again. It's like, that's the coolest thing. Like I'm nerding out over a coffee cup. Uh, and, and that's really cool. Um, and then also just, you know, I'd like to, you know, thank everyone who's been helping with NG Atlanta. I mean, between Fowler Software, between Nathan, between uh, Tracy Lee, between, you know, Brocky and all the designers and, and like literally everyone and all of our sponsors, like, Everyone has been incredibly supportive. The Angular community in general has been really supportive, like sh sharing and tweeting about everything we're doing. And it it's really heartwarming to see how this community is coming together. And I I've really been enjoying that. Nice. Nice. I want to say something real quick on the Ember uh, coffee mug. We just got one of those uh, as Google developer experts as well. And uh, so my Pro tip on that, which took me forever, and maybe it's just me, but there's a button on the bottom that you got to push in and like hold in to sync it, you know, with the application Bluetooth sort of thing. Yeah. Well, you really have to push that button in. It actually like physically clicks. And I sat there holding my finger on this button and going, where the heck is the blue lights? It's not syncing. And I did, <laughs> I did this for like 20, 30 minutes. And then I walked away, came back again, did it for like another five. And then finally, I was so frustrated that I pushed a little harder and it goes click. I'm like, oh my gosh. So <laughs> you're trying to sync it and it's not flashing the lights. You really have to push that button and you want to hear it click. So there you go. Yeah, nice. Good advice. <laughs> All right. I got something. You got something. All right, Mike. Yeah. I just went through um, initiation slash uh, onboarding at my new company. And one of the things they ran through was something called HBDI, which is uh, the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument, which gives you insight to basically how you think and how you approach and how you can take that knowledge of how you think and how you react to different situations to get better and um, empathize with how other people approach the same problem. So definitely outside of necessarily tech, but think it gives you an idea of how you think and how you approach things. Very helpful. Uh, the results that I went through uh, from my own experiences with it has definitely helped out. So for Perfect. those who Google it afterwards, what were you? I am heavily dominant in blue, like heavily, <laughs> which is more uh, analytical type thinking. Um, that almost outside of the boundaries of the chart. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I had to do one of those too. And it was, I was about as far in the yellow as possible, which is uh, the crazy innovation brain. Yeah. Cool. But on top of my pick, I, I wanted to say thank you to Zach for coming on today. Uh, not just for talking about NGA Lino, but pulling back the covers a little bit, uh, showing us uh, what goes on behind the scenes and the different issues that you went through uh, to be able to get NG Atlanta up and running, both last year and this year. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So um, thank you, Nathan, for coming on and sharing your time with us. Nathan, you still are screen sharing. Can we see your face? Oh, shoot. 
Yes. I was, yeah. That's why I said we're watching you code because we're literally watching you code. <laughs> there it is. Um, oh, you know, it's funny. You didn't even realize that the whole time. Hilarious. Um, yes. Um, I want to say thank you to Zach too because I know it's an enormous effort that he puts together. So um, thank you for all you're doing for sure. I know it's, it's a lot of work. Thank you. Yes, and, and one more thank you for Zach for coming on and taking the time sharing with uh, not only the conference and everything everybody said, but also coming on uh, NGR and uh, sharing your journey and stuff like that. I really appreciate you sharing your time. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. For sure. All right. Thanks, Thanks Justin and Mike. It's good to see you guys. <laughs> yeah. Get your tickets. Go to NG Atlanta and uh, have a good one. Have a happy holidays. See ya. Cheers. <laughs>